Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 333 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. One of the most subjective questions in the world is who is the best blank or what is the best blank? For instance, when I you can ask 10 people, what is the best food? And you'll probably get 10 different answers. Or what is the best movie of all time? You'll probably get 10 different answers. It's like that in sports as well. Who was the greatest player of all time? You might hear, you know, LeBron James. You might hear Michael Jordan. You might hear Tom Brady. You might hear uh, Wayne Gretzky. Who was the greatest team of all time? You could hear the Patriots. You could hear the Celtics. You could hear the Lakers. The, the beauty about that question is you're going to get a different answer more times than not because people feel the way they feel. They feel connected to something. So I'm, I could say my, the best player in the world is Steph Curry. If that is your favorite player, you're going to feel that way. It doesn't mean that it's right. doesn't mean it's wrong. It means that that's how you feel. And it's not just the best as well. It could be the worst. For instance, you ask me, what's the worst food ever made or what's the worst food in the world more than likely i'm gonna say chitlins or i'm gonna say coleslaw i hate both never had chitlins in my life never going to coleslaw if you put a piece of coleslaw on my plate it's a wrap we may never speak again i hate coleslaw some people i know my mother my mother loves coleslaw for some reason she also loves hummus i hate hummus you see it's it's all about it's all about how who you are and how how you feel what you're connected to was going to answer that question and how am i why am i starting with this and how am i going to tie this into sports the other night we saw a team that had very high expectations crumble <laughs> Uh, let me let me just get to it. So the Boston Bruins set all these records in the regular season. They went they are they went down as the greatest regular season NHL team we've ever seen as far as the most points ever scored, the most wins ever scored or ever recorded in a single season. The Boston Bruins had, you know, and you know it was such think about this. Going into the playoffs, let's just talk about the first round going against Florida. The Boston Boston Bruins was a, a minus ten thousand to win the game. That means you had to like bet ten thousand dollars to win one dollar. That's how much. P, P, the question. The question that I had, and I and, and I was I've been I've been sitting with this since it happened. Of course, for people that don't know, the the historic Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins that had the most wins in a single season, the Boston, the Boston Bruins that had the most points in a single season, lost in the first round to a wild card team, Florida. Now, a lot of people are you're, you're hearing a lot of well, the President's Cup curse. For people that don't know, the President's Cup, usually the peop, the person that, oh, recently at least. Actually, no. I think out of like 32 people or teams that have won the President's Cup, only eight have won, have, have won it all. So you can see, I know the Boston Bruins have won the President's Cup before and they lost, I think, the first or second round. The Capitals, they've won the President's Cup twice, and they've got bounced both times. So there's there's a curse that is kind of attributed to the President's Cup, no matter how good the team is. Hell, Florida won the President's Cup last year and got bounced. But we're not talking about last year. We're talking about this year. And I started the episode with 
the subjective questions and the subjective viewpoints on things as far as, you know, who was the best player of all time, who was the worst player of all time, who was the best team of all time, who was the worst team of all time. I I I think myself, Jalen Hunter, I think that the Boston Bruins losing in the first round after having this historic season is probably the worst or the biggest failure in, in a team sport or in team history. Now, there's a lot to choose from. You can choose from the, the Mariners, the Mariners that won 116 games and didn't win the World Series. Now, yes, a lot of people forget A-Rod wasn't on that team at the end of the year. So I, I understand that. You can talk about the Patriots, the 16-0 and Patriots. 16-0 and in the regular season, they get all the way to the Super Bowl, lose to the Giants. Now, of course, that was the Patriots with Tom Brady, Randy Moss. Like, that, that, was, a, that was a team. Of course, you're always going to hear about the, the, the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors. Make it all the way to the NBA, uh, NBA Finals. Go up 3-1. And then, of course, we know LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers came all the way back and, and, and won it all. So there are collapses, but let me tell you why this one, the Boston Bruins, why this one is the worst of all time, in my opinion. You look back at the Mariners. The Mariners lost their their two best players. So, of course, it's while, yes, baseball, one player can't drastically change the fortune of a team but it can it can change it let me say I, i'll take the drastic word out the uh, one player not being there or your especially your best player for instance the yankees could still be good if they didn't have aaron judge but aaron judge makes them 10 times better same thing with the mariners that year i think it was 2001 i could be wrong but yeah I think there's there's a lot of reasons why the Mariners didn't finish it out that year. You can go to the 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 sixteen and old Patriots. They at least made it to the Super Bowl, and if it wasn't for an incredible David Tyree catch, then then we could have been we could have been singing a different song about that Patriots team. Go seventy three and nine Golden State Warriors. Um, yes, you were up three one, but as you remember, in game what game five, Draymond Green was suspended, which started to which gave the the the, the Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers momentum, and then game six and on, Andrew Bogut, who was their starting center. Went out, so the the and that was their size at the time. The Kavon Looney that we see now, who by the way is six nine, he wasn't the Kavon Looney that he, at the time. So they didn't really have any rim protection. The biggest reason why I feel this Boston Bruins loss was the was the biggest upset, was the worst collapse of all time. Not only. Were they leaps and bounds the best regular season team this year? Not only were they the best regular season team of all time, if we or in in NHL history, but you were up what two zero? No three. I think you were up three one or three zero in the series. In law, no. I think you were up. Yeah, you were up 3-1, I believe, or 3-0, and lost, or 3-1 or whatever, and lost three straight games. Again, remember I said that. Now, you got to understand the betting and money line and and whatever is, is, is all about gambling and everything, but the Boston Bruins was a minus 10,000. You don't hear that when we talk about sports. Was a minus 10,000 to get out the first round to a wild card team. A wild card team that just squeaked in. I think the floor, I think Florida 
got in with the last game of the season. Now, you, I know, look, I understand I'm not the the most savvy uh, hockey fan. And I'm sure that there's going to be people in my comments that tell me how wrong I was or or how they saw it coming. Good for y'all. But I can promise you, President's Cup curse or not, there's no way that a team that was as historic as they were this entire year gets bounced out the first round in a game seven at home. A game seven at home. Actually, no, it was it was three one. Yeah, first game, Boston won. Second game, Florida won. Third and fourth game, Boston won. And then they just... Florida won three straight. On top of all that, you're really going to see... The, the Boston went all in this year. That's another reason why I, I think that this is a, a cataclysmic failure. Boston went in getting... Orloff, Gilling, Hathaway. Like, they they went all in. And a lot of their players are, are, are older, so a lot of them may not be here. I mean, yeah, you still have Pasternak, but this, this was the year, as we clearly saw with how good and how serious they took the regular season. Again, I I, I just I, I just don't I, I it's it's tough, man. It's tough. You have to put them on the team. Like, this 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 was. It's 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 one of the biggest or to me one of the worst losses in in sports history. In sports history. Cuz there's there's no way no way you could you saw the path. You could see a path. Mm mm mm. And again, and one of the biggest reasons why I think it's the worst because you can you can talk about the Golden State Warriors, you know, having the best regular season of all time and losing in the finals. You can talk about the the Patriots, you know, the Patriots having a sixteen and zero season and then losing in the Super Bowl. All these all these teams, the ones that I just spoke of, of course, I think the only team in recent memory that uh, had like an historic season full of with wins, I think was the Sparks. I think the Sparks won like 25 games in one season, and that was the year that they they won. It's just crazy, man. It's 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 crazy. And whether whether you want to agree with me or not, it's cool. And that's the beauty of it. We have we all have, you know, we all have different opinions about things. You know, that's why a lot of people, including myself, have a podcast. <laughs> but I do think that the Boston Bruins losing in the first round. That's even worse. In the first round, after having the historic season that they had, greatest regular season in NHL history by a single team, they lose to a, a team that just barely got into the playoffs with the wild card spot or at the wild card spot. So, shouts out to Florida for making history in the best way. 
And, sh- and shouts out Bruins for making history in the worst. Speaking of history, the, we're in an age of basketball where it's hard to compare the greats as far as today's greats with the greats of past years because basketball is evolving right basketball the basketball that we watch today the nba that we watch today is nothing like the nba that michael jordan was in or hell we can we can even go today's basketball is nothing like the kobe era just like Michael Jordan's era was nothing like the Bill Russell era. Bas- everything in life is supposed to evolve. Right? And that's what basketball is doing. It's evolving. We're seeing some of the greatest players we've ever seen in today's basketball. And one of those players, of course, is Steph Curry. One of the biggest reasons why A lot of people had Golden State at least winning the first round of the playoffs was because of experience. They they, of course, are reigning champions. We know the 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 champion laded history or the recent champion laded history that the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry have. And of course, the Sacramento Kings, who had an incredible season. Hasn't been to the playoffs since, what, 2004, 2006 or something like that. So a lot of people thought experience was going to take was going to take shape and was going to propel Golden State past the Kings. And let me tell you. It really was an experience. It was Steph Curry. Greatness shows up when it needs to. Greatness doesn't always have to show up, but greatness shows up when it needs to. You see, Steph Curry is arguably one of the greatest players we've ever seen. I personally, the, the question, the, the the conversation, so Curry just dropped 50 points in a game seven, the most points in a game in game seven history. Uh, previously was held by Kevin Durant when he was on, when he was on Brooklyn. And I think they, they went against the Bucks. Now they ultimately lost, but he had 48. Steph Curry had 50 points. And they needed all the 50 points because the Kings are a good team. Yes, they have some flaws, and every team has flaws, but they are a good team. De'Aaron Fox is emerging as a star. I'm not going to call him a superstar just yet. I need to see more, but he's emerging as a superstar. Let's say that. He's on the cusp. DeMondis Sabonis had a te- didn't have that good of a series, but Game 7, he was the Kings' best player. Shouts out to Mike Brown, first unanimous coach of the year. Shouts out to De'Aaron Fox winning the first clutch player of the year award. Look, the, the Kings were our good team. Kevin Herter, uh, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray. Good team. Young team, but a good team. And they were giving hell. They 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 they, they forced a game seven. That's the that's the best that you can do. You're a young team, haven't been there for years. And the best thing you do is force a game seven against the Golden or the Golden State Warriors or the defending champs. But it was Steph, Steph, look, Steph, the Golden State Warriors needed all of Steph, Steph Curry's points, all of them. Klay Thompson was playing terrible. Jordan Poole was playing terrible. The MVP of that game, of course, is Steph Curry. But the 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 MVP number two had to go to Kevon Looney. Von Looney had like 20-something rebounds. The question and the conversation that has been going around since Steph Curry dropped 50 
in a game seven is, is he the greatest point guard of all time? And it goes back to that subjective question. This is a subjective question because I'm sure if you ask a Golden State fan, a diehard Curry fan, of course they're going to say that Curry is the greatest point guard of all time. If you ask a diehard Lakers fan, nine times out of ten, they're going to say Magic Johnson. Hell, I know people to this day that still say Oscar Robinson is the greatest point guard of all time. I know people to this day that says Isaiah Thomas is the greatest point guard of all time. It's all about opinion. So here's mine. I think Steph Curry, and I've said this for a couple years now, I think Steph Curry is the second best point guard of all time. I think when we talk about evolution, if we talk about revolutionizing the game of basketball, if we talk about their sheer importance to the game, yes, you can have an art you have an argument that Steph Curry is the 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 greatest point guard ever. But it's hard for me when I see someone like a Magic Johnson and see just how much he can affect the game more than Steph Curry. I mean, remember, Magic Johnson had to play center in the NBA Finals. I just, I just, it's hard for me to to put Steph over Magic Johnson. Now, yes, I understand that I was never, I was not alive to see Magic Johnson's impact as far as, you know, in the moment. But I, I, I do think that Steph Curry is the second best point guard ever. It's just hard for me, again, and, and I just, I'm not at that point yet where I can really put Steph over Magic Johnson now. Of course, we can maybe, if he, I don't know, maybe I'm off. Maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and say, actually, no, Steph Curry is the greatest. I will say this, though, and, and this to me is, is not debatable, that Steph Curry is one of the greatest players we've ever seen. And Greatness looks like some greatness has moments. I talked about this last episode. Let me talk about Donovan Mitchell. Go check out the clip and go check out the reel on unpopular. It's Just go check that out. But I talked about this with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell doesn't have though. There's there's multiple moments where you every player has an opportunity to to step up in, in big moments and and earn that star, earn that superstar title. And Donovan Mitchell has has had multiple ones. He just has not stepped up to the case or stepped up to the plate. He hasn't hit the home run. Steph Curry has done that on multiple occasions. And Dropping 50 in a game seven. Now, I'm sure people are going to discredit. Oh, it's the first round. It's the Kings. They needed 50 points to get past the Kings. Okay. So if it was, I mean, think about it. The Milwaukee Bucks didn't even make it out the first round. We're going to talk about. Boston a second, but Boston damn near didn't make it out the first round. The question now, and of course this is what everyone wants to see. This is this is the money making series. This is the series that uh, people are, are are mainly interested in, of course, and that is the Golden State Warriors going up against the Los Angeles Lakers second round. LeBron James against Steph Curry. I'll give my prediction. Now, again, I know game. I'm shooting this Tuesday afternoon. Game, what, game one is tonight, so I don't know the outcome. Game one and game, game one of the Lakers' Golden State is tonight, as well as game two of the Knicks and, and, uh, Heat series is tonight. So I don't know what has happened. I said I'm not going to predict on the game. I'm going to predict on the series. I feel that, I think that 
both teams present major problems for each other. The Lakers are have a huge size advantage against Golden State. Again, we talk about Kevon Looney, and shouts out to Kevon Looney. He deserves all the praise that he gets. He is one of the most. He was one of the most important players in that series, or he's one of the most important players to the Golden State dynasty that never really gets talked about. Of course, we talk about the big three. Hell, we even talk about Kevin Durant winning those two championships, but we very rarely talk about Kevon Looney and his impact, seeing as though he is an undersized big. I mean, he's six nine. He's an undersized big that that is is a rebound monster. Hell, you heard uh, you heard Shaq talking about if and, – and KG. KG talked about James Wiseman and said if James Wiseman had the the drive and the emotion or drive and the hmm, – I'll just say emotions that Kevon Looney does, he would have fit perfectly in with Golden State. And uh, Shaquille O'Neal talked about DeAndre Ayton, and if DeAndre Ayton played more like – Kevon Looney for the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns would be much better. But back to this Lakers Golden State series, the Lakers present major problem or has a huge size deficiency or huge size advantage over Golden State. That's one thing that we saw in the in the in the Kings Golden State series. The Kings, even though Sabonis is seven feet, he didn't. He doesn't play like a seven footer, and he, they did not have a size advantage over Golden State. They had youth, they had speed, but that's about it. Golden, uh, the Lakers, when you have Anthony Davis, when you have a LeBron James, they are decisively bigger than the Golden State Warriors. And I don't. I, I think his name is Jason Temp. Uh, he he works for the volume. Shouts out to you. He pointed out something that I never really even noticed. Which shouts out to him when when talking about Andrew Wiggins and how Andrew Wiggins was so successful going up against Luka Doncic last year, going up against Jason Tatum last year, and I was the the, the difference that Jason Tatum and and and. Luka Doncic brings compared to a LeBron James is the body type. LeBron James is heavy on up top. Pause. <laughs> LeBron James is heavy on up top, and Jason Tatum and Luka is more evenly balanced. So, when you're dealing with a player that's more evenly balanced, you can Andrew Wiggins, who is crazy athletic, crazy. Long pause when we talk about, of course, his his length and his arms and stuff. He has a decisive advantage when we talk about LeBron James. LeBron James is more top heavy, so he's able to to bruise and 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 batter Andrew Wiggins more. So don't I expect to see a lot of I expect to see a lot of Jared Vanderbilt just just having getting no attention. I think that I'll say this. The defect the the LeBron James is going to affect the winner of the, or is going to dictate the winner of the series in my opinion. I think that again the size advantage goes to the Lakers. However, the offensive advantage and the three point advantage, of course, goes to Golden State. The Lakers still struggle with guarding the three. The reason why I didn't hurt them in the Memphis series is because Memphis isn't that good of a team shooting the ball. So Memphis would get good looks. That's why Desmond Bain was going crazy a couple times. The difference is, of course, when Desmond Bain is the only three-point shooter, that's or your second three-point, your second best three-point shooter is is who? Jaron Jackson Jr., uh Tyus Jones. That's not gonna work. So you're going up against a team that has Steph, has Clay. If he if he gets his act together, has Jordan Poole, has Andrew Wiggins. All these Moses Moody has has emerged as a competent three point shooter. They have three point shooters galore. And one of the biggest weaknesses, like I said, for the Lakers is their them guarding the three point line. So I think the the one player in this entire series that 
nobody really has an answer for is LeBron James when LeBron James is on. The question is, will LeBron James be on? LeBron James did not have the best series last year. I think it was more of a team effort. You see D'Angelo Russell was great. Um, of course, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, they were, they were big in games that they needed to be. LeBron James really wasn't. He's going to, because I don't, this is a different animal. As we all know, I mean, the second round, Golden State's reigning champion. This is a different, like Austin Reeves, instead of having to guard, what, um, Dylan Brooks, now you're going to have to guard Klay Thompson. Rui Hachimura, instead of having to guard Xavier Tillman, or, yeah, Xavier Tillman, now you're going to have to guard an Andrew Wiggins, or maybe you're going to have to guard a Draymond Green. And D'Angelo Russell, and, and the guards in general, John Morant, and don't get me wrong, John Morant is great. John Morant is, is John Morant. John Morant is not Steph Curry. And you're about to understand why there was a lot of times when they had to sit or bench D'Angelo Russell that series. Now, of course, he had big moments, but they had to bench him a couple times. He's he, he he's gonna have to win that battle over Steph Curry, and I don't see it happening. <laughs> if De'Aaron, if if De'Aaron Fox, who in my opinion is better than a D'Angelo Russell, is better than every guard on the Lakers, if he couldn't stop Steph Curry, what do you think they're gonna do? So the only player, the only player, two players, I guess, is that that that's going to decide this series is of course LeBron James and Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis can't Michael Wilbon said the best Anthony Davis can't have a series where you're on one game and off the next because that's not going to work <laughs> you're going to lose you can't have those games where you're 31 and, and 15 one game and then you have 12 points the next especially going against a Kavon Looney so I I don't. I think this is a very evenly matched because each side has advantages and disadvantages. I, I'm going to go with Golden State in six just because I think as a team, if Golden State is able to get their act together and as a team, they are a better team than the Lakers, even though the Lakers have been playing very well and, it's, and even Steph Curry said it, this is a different team that since the trade deadline. But... I just I, I don't I I like Austin Reeves and I think Austin Reeves is really good. I think Rui Hachimura is really good, but are they going to have the impact or Jared, Jared Vanderbilt? Are they going to have the impact that they had in the go in the Memphis series? Are they going to have that in the Golden State series? And I think that their impact really did win them the win them that series. I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Now I will also say if you get the same Jordan Poole in this series or the same Jordan Poole from the from the King series, if he's in this series, then Golden State, it's it's going to be tough. They need that, that bench scoring. They need that bench impact. And I understand the splits between Jordan Poole playing as a starter and and Jordan Poole coming off the bench, but he's going to have to get it together. That man has, what, $128 million, I think? He had to get it together because they need him. They need him. So... I'm I'm gonna pick uh, Golden State in six. I just think they're the uh, LeBron James as great as he's been, and I think he's gonna have a good series. He I don't know if he can bring it every night, of course, due to age and everything, and just the sheer amount of people that they can that Golden State's gonna try to throw at him. Like you're gonna try to throw Andrew Wiggins, you're gonna try to throw. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga is probably going to get more minutes because he's an able body. You're you're, you're going to throw. I don't. I think Draymond Green's just going to freelance because he's going to need to help Kevon Looney. Um, so yeah, I have I have Golden State in six. Uh, and moving on from that, what we're seeing current. Uh, the the Denver Nuggets is currently up 2-0 against the Suns. And I said this before, 
I said this a couple episodes ago. I probably said this last episode. Your weaknesses get exposed in the playoffs. They have to. You're playing against one team up to seven times straight. Your it's it, your weaknesses are going to be exposed, and some weaknesses are more detrimental than others. Of course, like one of the biggest weaknesses for uh, let's let's look at let's talk about the Clippers. One of the biggest weaknesses for the Clippers was health, and of course, the lack of the lack of health uh, hurt them at the end. The weak one of the biggest weaknesses for the Kings was experience and was defense well game seven they've never been in the game seven and their defense failed them in game seven they lost by like 20 points the 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 milwaukee bucks one of the more surprising examples but their weakness of course was of half court offense and the heat turned that series into a half court game and as we saw with the bucks they could not maintain. Every team has a weakness. When the Suns traded for Kevin Durant, there were there was glaring positives about that trade and, and positives about that team. You have Kevin Durant, who is arguably the best player in the league. Forming, uh, pairing up with Devin Booker, who is arguably one of the best one-on-one players we've seen and one of the best offensive weapons. Of course, you have Chris Paul, who will go down as one of the best point guards ever. And of course, we know about the the legacy that he holds. And DeAndre, like you, you, there was roaring positives. We knew that this team was going to be one of the better offensive teams just because of the firepower that they have up top, just because the firepower that we, that they have on the, at the you know. The, the starters. But what we also saw and what we also know is when you trade someone or trade for someone with the with the moxie and the caliber that or with the with the the name that comes when you trade someone as good as Kevin Durant, let's say that, trade for someone as good as Kevin Durant, you know that you're going to have to give up something and give up something major. And you just hope that whatever you have to give up does not come back to bite you. Well, what we're seeing in this Denver Nuggets series is the price of that of that trade is coming back to bite the Suns. And what was that price? That price was bench depth, defense, and equal equalness as far as a as a roster. No. Mikael Bridges is not Kevin Durant. No, Cam Johnson is not Kevin Durant. But what Cam Johnson is, is a very good bench player. And what Mikael Bridges is, is a very good defender and a very good offensive player. You lose both in a trade for Kevin Durant. So now when you look at this series, when you look at the Denver Nuggets being up 2-0 against the go uh, against the Phoenix Suns, you're seeing exactly why a lot of people were cautious about that trade. Don't get me wrong. If Kevin Durant's available and you can pair him up against with a Devin Booker, you do that ten times out of ten. That that instantly turns into one of the best duos in the NBA. But you have to understand what you're giving up and how you're going to combat that. The, the 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 Denver Nuggets is one of the deepest teams in the league currently. And as we're seeing, they just beat you in droves, man. One game, it's, it's Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, KCP, Morris. You have... <laughs> They, they just beat you, and they're such an efficient team. And when you when when one of your top players are not all are not on, or as we saw last game, Chris Paul goes out with a knee strain or with a groin strain, and now you have to have Cameron Payne, who has been injured a lot. He they they're just not the 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 the. 
the imbalance of the Phoenix Suns is show, is rearing its ugly head in this series. Now, I hear people, I heard some media pundits, I see people on social media, they they were talking about Golden State being down 2-0 and how you don't want to count them out. And no, I'm not counting out the Phoenix Suns, but Golden State being down 2-0 feels drastically different than these Suns being down 2-0. Do I think the Suns are going to get swept? No. I will say this, though. It is imperative. There's not a team in this playoffs outside of maybe. No, there's not a team in this playoffs this year that I think has the capabilities of coming back from a 3-1 deficit. It's, It's very rare that it happens, of course, but I don't think there is a team built to come back from a 3-1 deficit. And that is including the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, what 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 the Denver Nuggets is doing is beating them with physicality and beating them with efficient efficiency. Well, yes, Jamal Murray had a terrible game in game two. I think he finished with like eight or nine points. But Nikola Jokic had like 45, like 30, 39 points, 39 and like 15. And we all know DeAndre, DeAn, 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 DeAndre Ayton hasn't really he's – been, he's been the tall Dylan Brooks, in my opinion. A lot of talk hasn't really backed it up, even though he has the talent. That's the difference between DeAndre Ayton and, and Dylan Brooks. I think DeAndre Ayton has the talent. He just doesn't do it. So, I think we're seeing, I don't think they're going to get swept, but I, I, I will say this. It is imperative that the next time, if there is a next time, the Phoenix Suns play the Denver Nuggets in Denver, the series is tied 2-2. Because if it's not... If it's not, then something, then one of two things have happened. They're down 3-1 or they're swept. And I do not think they're going to get swept. I think that they're just too good of an offensive team to get swept. However, Denver is a good team. And, boy, just imagine Kevin Durant getting swept two straight years. I can't. I can't imagine that. Mm. I like Kevin Durant. So I don't I don't want to speak bad on a dude. I'm just saying. I, I just I cannot see the Suns getting swept, especially after making that blockbuster trade. Cannot see it. But hey, crazier things have happened. Milwaukee's not playing anymore. So we'll see. Moving forward. Uh I talked about legacy, right? I talked about legacy when when discussing James Harden and I said that his legacy isn't really going to be tested until you get to round two. Because the first round, you're going up against the worst team in the playoffs, which was the Brooklyn Nets. And you didn't have to do much. Well, now you're going up against Boston. And who a lot of people have winning it all. And you're going up against Boston. In Boston. Without Joel Embiid with an, with an ankle or knee injury. So, while no, nobody, I don't think many people expected the the Philadelphia 76ers to win game one. But they, they, they need, we needed a big game out of James Harden. Well, not only did they win game one, 119 to 115, James Harden gave them a vintage James Harden game. 45 points, six assists. Two steals, one rebound. That's crazy. Yeah, one rebound. What 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 could have what what we maybe I'm not giving James Harden the credit that he deserves. Because when you when you play on a team, when you're the the primary scorer, you're the primary ball handler, you're the primary rebound like you're the best player by far on the team 
and there's not really a number two that is close to you, you're expected to do more, which is what we saw a lot of those years in Houston. So James Harden has and needs to have the freedom and the ability to score as much as he scores or to defend as much as he defends and and be that offensive weapon that 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 turned him into an all NBA 75 player. But and we have not seen that when we talk about him on Philly. Now we've seen glimpses, we've seen some 30-point games, some 35-point games, but we haven't seen the James Harden of yesteryear to say the least. But what we have seen is James Harden still high on assists. And may now no, I do think that when we talk about you know body type, when we talk about um, conditioning, when we talk about just sheer readiness, no, James Harden has not been the James Harden of old, and I think that James Harden has lost a step, whether it's due to injury or just due to uh, nutrition, he has lost a step. But what? Game one showed me is he is able to, there are times where you're able to dabble and and tap back into that old James Harden. And he needed that without Joel Embiid. Now, if if I'm Philly, I'm not playing Joel Embiid game two either. I'm punting on game two, whether we win or lose. We already did what we were supposed to do. We stole the game. So now we just got to handle business at home if they're able to. But I do want to I do want to shout out James Harden because he had arguably his best playoff game he's ever had in a very crucial time against a very crucial team in the Boston Celtics. And let me talk about the Boston Celtics for a second. I'm starting to see a flaw with the Boston Celtics that can come back and really hurt them, and that is they. I don't think they respect their opponents as much as they should. You're without that. We saw that a lot in the in the Atlanta Hawks game, Atlanta Hawks series. Yes, Boston was clearly the best team and should have easily won against Atlanta. Atlanta was one of the worst teams in the playoffs this year. Yet it went six games. You look at this with the mindset, in my opinion, should have been. You go into game one, Philly is out without their best player. Boston is completely healthy. We need to make a statement. And we we I don't we don't want to be in no cupcake game. We want to win and win decisively. And let them know you need your best player to beat us. There's no way, even though yes, James Harden is still James Harden. You there's no way you are gonna beat us without your best player. I think they came in thinking, oh, they don't have their best player. It's going to be an easy game. Well, you still have James Harden. You still have Tyrese Maxey giving you 26 points. It's not going to be that easy, fam. I think that Boston is the best team in the, in the, in the playoffs remaining because they can beat you in a plethora of ways. However, Boston still can get got every single night because I just don't think that they take, I think that they, well, I I really talked about live or die by the three, but I think there's a lot of times they don't really take their opponent seriously or, or coming to a game lacks a days ago. And that's going to get you beat every time. So shouts out to James Harden, man. And shouts out to the Philadelphia 76ers for being up one Oh in the series. I did want to hop back over to to hockey for a second and shout shout out the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Seattle Kraken became the first team in NHL history to win their first playoff series against the reigning champs, Colorado. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche they won the Stanley Cup last year, and Seattle, kind of like the Florida or Florida Panthers, they just snuck into the playoffs. And Seattle's a good team. Now they play the Dallas Stars. 
I don't know if they're going to win or not, especially on that on that side of the bracket because you still have to go against the um the if they do beat the Dallas Stars, which is a good team, you have to go against the the Golden Knights or the Oilers, and we know the Oilers have that man, Connor McDavid. But I will say that it is it is a huge it's a huge win for the for the franchise. One thing that I've seen that hockey is a little different than every other sport is when they're new when, when they introduce a new team, at least in recent memory, I could be definitely wrong and I'm sure somebody will will, will comment I'm right or wrong. But for the recent teams, and I'm really only looking at the Seattle Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Gold Knights, they were good instantly. Well, no, I'm not saying instantly, but within the first like two or three years, they were really good. I mean, I think in the first two or three years, the Vegas Golden Knights were playing in the Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup uh, finals. Now, I don't know if the Seattle Kraken is good enough to do that yet, but it is good that they were again. They became the first team in NHL history to win their their team's first playoff series against a reigning champion. So I did. I do want to shout out Seattle, man. They they definitely deserve it. They're a fast team. Um, they're they're a young team, and and shouts out shouts out to them. And again, it kind of goes back to 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 the the art. Well, not the argument, but what I've been saying for a minute is is parody. They <laughs> the two best teams in this playoffs are gone. Think about that. The two, or the reigning champion, the Colorado Avalanche, and the team that had the most historic season of all time are out in the first round. On top of that, the Tampa Bay Lightning got or lost to Toronto. So now I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are like projected to be the, 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 the winners after, you know, with the remaining teams. The Hurricanes are still in it. The 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 New Jersey the New Jersey Devils and the Rangers had to go seven games. It's just there's parity everywhere, man. It's not just in basketball. It's not just in football. It's not just in college. It's everywhere. And I think it's really cool that you don't. A lot of these, most of these series are are dead even. So again, man, shouts out to the Seattle Kraken for for advancing or winning their first playoff series as a franchise. I want to speak on the Deion Sanders comments about the lack of representation that the HBC, well, the lack of, I guess, representation in the draft that the HBCUs have had. Uh, I think this year only one HBCU player was drafted, uh, and this has been this has been an ongoing fight for for a while now. Uh, and I heard what Shannon Sharp said, and I and I will I will admit that I I was with Shannon Sharp because Shannon Sharp pretty much said, you know. Most of the first round was Africa, or I think the nine out of the ten, or all ten of the first round picks. I think nine of the ten were African American, uh, or top ten picks. Nine of the ten were African American, and it's a talent thing. Um, if if you're talented, the NFL will find you, or a league will find you. I was with Shannon Sharp. And I will say I am with Shannon Sharp on that side. But something hit me like a ton of bricks. Actually, before we started, I I started recording this episode. The fight isn't an African-American thing. The fight isn't. trying to advance African-Americans. Because as we know, African-Americans dominate sports. This is a fight for HBCUs, which is actually one of the biggest reasons why I wore my alma mater, 
I went to Voorhees. Well, actually, it's Voorhees University now. Denmark, South Carolina, a smaller HBCU, but shouts out to the Voorhees Tigers. Uh, I played college basketball there for two years, uh, one of the or three years. One of the best experiences of my life being at an HBCU. And that's actually the main reason why I wore this today. I understand it now. Because, and, and I get Shannon Sharp, man. I understand, and which Shannon Sharp did go to HBCU, but Shannon Sharp is looking at this from a talent perspective. And that's how I've been looking at it. I've been looking at it as, well, if they're talented enough, they're going to be seen because the NFL wants the best product. And if the best players are in HBCU, they're going to go there. But no, this is for HBCUs. And imagine it like this. There was an argument a couple years ago when, when Zion was in, was in college and, and thinking about going to HBCU. Or people were saying, could Zion be dropped? Or could Zion go to Howard University? And a lot of people, including myself, were saying no because they can't, they don't have the resources to carry a player as big as, as big as, you know, Zion Williamson and everything that he comes with as far as the, the fanfare, the popularity, the coverage. They just don't have the means to, to sustain that. However, on the flip side, I think about what if. Zion Williamson chose the HBCU. Well, that means that there'll be more resources. That means that there'll be more funding, more money. Because kind of like how you have to hold, you know, you have to have the capacity to hold a player like Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson does bring a lot of opportunity to an organization. Same thing goes for the NFL draft. Imagine Howard getting three or four draft picks, kind of like Georgia. Now, again, it's never going to be that, but imagine FAMU having three draft picks and go to the league or or Grambling, Grambling State or Jackson State or Voorhees. Well, Voorhees doesn't have a football team, but, you know, Howard, Florida Atlantic, Virginia Union, South Carolina State. I understand now my eyes were closed to it, and I was always, I was really only looking at it through the, the sports realm. But I understand, and I agree wholeheartedly with uh, what Deion Sanders is actually saying, is that There is such an importance to HBCUs and HBCUs on the African-American community. And honestly, even though Quad is kept and not a lot of people want to talk about it, HBCUs have affected the, the, United, the world in such a major way. A lot of the, a lot of the great African-American just people went to an HBCU. And it's very important for the success of an HBCU. And it's unfortunate that you're missing, they're missing on the opportunities because they just don't get the look. I understand it. I'm, and, I, and again, I'm not here bashing and saying that Shannon Sharp was wrong either. I understand it. But when Shannon Sharp failed to understand, and look at it just like I failed, so it's not just him, is the academic side and the fact of you saying that you had four or five kids get drafted does something to funding, does something to just the look of your school. Now you're going to have more people come. Now you're going to now you're going to have a better program. Now you're going to have more funding for a program, for a, for a football program or for a basketball program or whatever. If you say, "Well, my program or our program send sent five people to the league. Sent six people to the league. Georgia had one, two, three. Georgia had about seven or eight people go in the first three rounds, I think. 
Now, no, I understand Georgia just won a national championship. I understand that, and we're not we're talk. But imagine if that was Grambling State. Imagine if that was was uh, <laughs> imagine that was uh, uh, Bowie State. How how that would drastically increase the um. Just the revenue of the school, the attendance, the funding. Because think about it. You you never hear about a major school, a large school, having to deal with ha- half the stuff Howard University deals with as far as plumbing and funding and, and, and not-so-ideal living situations. I'm sure that would change if you look up and four people have been drafted to the league from Howard. Now, I'm not an expert at this, obviously. I'm just an HBCU graduate who played college basketball there and have a podcast. But I see exactly what Deion Sanders is saying. And, and and for people that's calling or people that's saying that Deion Sanders can't be the guy to say this because he left an HBCU to coach for Colorado, which is a PWI. All I would say to those people is this. What is the goal? When you're doing anything, what is the goal? Or let me say, when you're thinking about leaving somewhere, what is the goal? The goal is always to leave something. If you're going to leave something, leave something better than it was when you found it. Jackson State was one of the worst schools, was one of the worst HBCUs as far as attendance, as far as uh, uh, the football program. They were one of the worst when Deion Sanders got there. When Deion Sanders left, they're one of the best. They he has found more funding. Their football team is 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 widely recognized as one of the best HBCU football teams, or was when he was there. Recruiting class went up. Graduating class went up. It's like people are so. It's like think about your job. If a competitor called you and said, hey, we'll pay you $100,000 more to do the same exact thing that you're doing at the current job, you wouldn't take it? What I'm saying is this, man. I understand that the NFL, I think, holds a... um, a, a combine just for HBCUs, I believe. And shouts out to them for that. But kind of like the Rooney rule, it doesn't really matter if it doesn't if it doesn't bold results. And as we've seen, it really hasn't bold it hasn't really had uh results. Because you can't tell me I've played now again I've played again. I play. There's been people on my basketball team that I know is good enough to not only play for PWI but to play. One of my teammates currently is is I think averaging like thirty points overseas. You're telling me he's not he wasn't good enough to play in a, in in a PWI. You're telling me he's I don't know if he's good enough, to, but you're telling me he's not good enough to be in the G League. What I'm saying is this, I, I, and, and I feel like I'm talking in a circle, so I'll just finish it with this. I understand what Deion Sanders is saying, and I am with Deion Sanders is saying there needs to be more eyes and more, more opportunity for the next level when we talk about HBCUs, because it doesn't seem like there has been. I'm going to be real with you guys. And this is the last thing I'm going to do, say before we go. 
I did not know that there was an Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I didn't know what I <laughs> shouts out to uh shouts out to my social media manager, Brittany. I didn't know what the hell that was. Uh she it was like AAPI. I'm like or AAIP. I'm like, what what is that? I didn't know that the Asian Americans Pacific Islander Heritage Month was a thing. So what I wanted to do, because <laughs> I'm I'm almost sure that there are somebody listening to me that didn't know it either. I'm like, oh, okay. So what I'm going to do is every episode, I'm going to highlight a person, uh, you know, an Asian American or a Pacific Islander person or someone that has their heritage. I'm going to highlight them. And of course, I like to support my black people. So there's going to be a little bit of black involved as well. So the first person that I want to do and it's only rightfully so is Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka of course is a Japanese she she's African American as well as Japanese or she has African descent in her and she's Japanese. Um she is she is one of the faces of of tennis and she's one of the best players that of tennis um now she she's kind of fallen well i'm not gonna say falling off but you know one thing i will say is this she has brought so much attention not only to tennis but to mental health and how important it is and how how vital it is to take care of yourself a lot of people look at athletes and rightfully so because they're not athletes they don't have to deal with what athletes have to deal with but a lot of people look at athletes and and think to themselves you know, they should be Teflon tough all the time. And that's not the case. Athletes are just like people, too. They just work in a different field and they make more money. And I do appreciate that Naomi Osaka has really taken a a, 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 a roaring approach to to addressing mental health and dealing with mental health. She we know, we know about some of her flame outs as far as the you know open opens and Wimbledon Open and Australian Open, but a lot of it was due to mental health, and I do appreciate that she is she has really taken a step because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I never really cared about mental health. I just feel if you keep going, you keep going. If it wasn't until wasn't until you know some personal things happened, I said, yo, I really need to sit down and and, and think about this. And I love the fact that she of course, of Japanese descent is really taking this seriously. So, and, and how important she is to the African-American or to the African slash uh, Japanese community. So, for the first person that that I want to recognize during the Asian-American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, month is Naomi Osaka. Shouts out to you and... Keep doing what you're doing because it's definitely important, not just for the sport of tennis, but for women and for for people that struggle with mental health, whether at the top of their game like you are in tennis or working a regular job, which is nothing wrong with either. So shouts out to you. And there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Please go get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. It definitely means a lot. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. And until next time, much love.